Welcome to NetFront Presence, the Hey, They're Still Alive edition. And uh, we're here with Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman of Beat Reporters. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch. And uh, uh, JT, uh, just as we predicted, the Avalanche jumped all over the Blues. Nathan McKinnon was going crazy. It's 3 nothing. Uh, they're getting ready to see uh, the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2002. And uh, and then what happened? JT, what, what the heck happened there? You know, I have no idea. <laughs> That's the expert commentary you get only on that front presence. Uh, it was the darndest thing. Uh, I was thinking, you know, uh, almost 50 years of sports writing, that game's in my top 10, you know, right there with the Norman Conquest, the fifth down game in football, the Super Bowl, obviously game seven of the Stanley Cup. That was, that was just an amazing game. How can a team look so bad for half the game and then pretty good in the uh, third? And then we think McKinnon's got him buried and make no mistake, Colorado showed up to have a party. They had the stand with NAS signs. They had pom-poms going and they, they were, they were ready to go. And uh, it was overwhelming. The, just the emotion, the atmosphere the, of that stadium at the start of the game in the first period. <laughs> Somehow the blues walked out of the lion's den and said, Hey, we're still here. Yeah. You know, they looked dead at three zero. Then they looked dead at four three after McKinnon scored. One of the one of the great goals you're going to see. Do you think? Well, that's it. Yeah, we can't come back on that. They've invested all those in the comeback, and now they're behind again. And no, and they managed to get goals from guys who weren't scoring goals. You know, they got goals from Tyler Bozak, who had been like practically taken off his skates in the third period because he wasn't playing, and it gets turned around. It was just it. Uh, I did not see that coming. You know, and as amazing as the comeback from three nothing was, uh, JT, uh, here then you have a moment that had a chance to stand in uh, franchise lore for Colorado. Certainly, uh, all the highlight reels from this season from the NHL uh, it was going to be in commercials. Uh, it was going to be uh, one for the ages. Nathan McKinnon taking off up the ice wall. Uh, Jordan Kyrou is like trying to go over to the bench. <laughs> he looks over his shoulder and goes, "Uh oh." <laughs> and, and, McKinnon, and McKinnon's going a thousand miles an hour and there's poor Nick Letty like, okay, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try. And he gets, of course he gets walked phenomenal shot. So here you have this play, which is one of the best goals. Like I said, the best, one of the best goals you're ever going to see. Surely now JT they're dead because you've seen in sports when a play like that happens, there's no coming back from a play like that when it's against you. I've never seen as many hats in my life. Have you ever seen as many hats thrown on the ice? It was, it was unbelievable. McKinnon looked like, you know, one of those car commercials where they have that sexy sports car and it's making the hairpin turns on the road and handling and that's what he looked like. And you're, I couldn't help it. Your description of Cairo, he was at the end of a shift, obviously. And he would say, it was just weird as he wouldn't say. And poor Nick Letty who played a, a great game had, Four assists, it turned into three assists, which maybe we'll explain later here at the net front, maybe not. But he played the role of the pylon there at the end of the play. And then I don't know what Ville Husa was looking at on his left side, like there was something on his left. And then once again, he, he got uh, McKinnon, got him on the right. There, there were no Colorado Avalanche over there. <laughs> so it was it was just a phenomenal play. And, and as you said, uh, if, if 3-0 didn't bury him, that should have, but, but no. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways, you got to say that the, the comeback from 4-3, every bit is impressive from the comeback of 3-0 because uh, that is a team that had to be down after doing so much to get back. And then, nope. And, and, it, and, it, and it did look perfect. It was like, this is how you should go out to Colorado with McKinnon having this you know, sublime play. And they overcame that. I and mean, that, that, was, that was pretty impressive. And then, then you get to overtime, and now Colorado's still playing well. You still got a problem because they're still really good. Now McKinnon's thinking, I can get a fourth goal here, surely, right? I mean, uh, the way he's playing. Uh, and then, and really, just what seemed like a, it was one of these harmless looking sequences that resulted in Tyler Bozak having a, a puck on the, you know, stick on the puck in a, in a good spot. And yeah, you know, he shoots. Uh, you know, he, he shoots his, you know, and, and it's from a good spot, but th this was not a supersonic missile. And to me, the reaction, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the reaction of, uh, of, of, of the chief, but he's like, that went in. He's like, oh. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then like, they're all this mobbing by him as assistant coaches. And they're like, yeah, it went in. And that's what happens. Like Tyler said in overtime, throw it at the net. Never know. <laughs> and, and then the delayed, just a little bit of the delayed reaction by, uh, by Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, maybe he was thinking of a guitar chord in his head and then all of a sudden, Oh my God, we just won. He was a little slow to uh, jump up. Yeah. It was, uh, it was amazing to say the least for a while there. I had a thought of the first overtime uh, in the series when the blues were out shot 13 to nothing. I thought that might happen because I believe Colorado got the first four shots or five shots of overtime. A couple other things that struck me about the overtime. What was Nico Mikola doing out there to start the overtime with Pareko on defense? That was a little puzzling. And then what, two, three minutes in, it's like, wait a minute, it's Tyler Bozak and the fourth line out there. So it was, uh, it was just, uh, the, the whole thing was surreal, mind boggling, whatever, however you want to describe it. I like how on the, on the replays, when you see the bench celebration, after a while, Garubi wants Steve Ott to stop hugging him. It's like, just okay, okay, you, you made your point. Okay, we're happy. Okay, come on. He's Steve, not like, it off. the chief is not like a huggy person, huh? You know, he was huggy initially, but then after a while, I think Steve may have been hugging a bit too much. So, yeah. uh, but that's, that's, that's Otter. He's a, he's an enthusiastic guy. And, you know, he's getting some love because he, uh, people recall that he was furiously, uh, you know, working the board, showing the boys how they were going to score with the goalie pulled. And, and they did. So then Otter uh, getting his uh, JT, uh, I think he will get some some consideration for in all seriousness for head coaching jobs, uh, perhaps even this off season. But you know he was just furiously okay. Here's how we're what we're going to do, you know. And darn it if they didn't just look really good, you know, with a tremendous play by Falk to ward off an empty netter, uh, you know, Falk keeping the puck in, and you know they boy once they had control of the puck, they looked like they knew what they were doing. Steve Hot, hockey genius. <laughs> You know, and, and maybe he's getting a, enough seizing now where he's, there's a lot of openings where he's going to get a look. Obviously, we know how, uh, how strong the, uh, the, the Blues power play has been. So, yeah, may, maybe his time is, uh, has come and, and uh, uh, that he'll at least get an interview. Honor's one of those guys where if you watched his career, and it's a, a lot probably like Berube, if you watched his career, you'd think, this guy is going to be a brilliant NHL tactician and guide teams to wins. I mean you know, since Ott's got to St. Louis, or even, I mean, Ott's career is just like, he's, he's a guy that was a pest. I mean, he's kind of, you know, a better Nathan Walker, but he's just a nuisance, but he's turning, he's, 
has a great hockey mind, it turns out. Yeah, he's a Tyson Nash that'll actually fight. And mm -hmm. uh, so he ends up in coaching versus broadcasting. So that's mm -hmm. a, a little, little more stout. Well, guys, you know, when you look at it, it's just one game. Uh, and it, all it did was keep the Blues alive. Colorado still has the upper hand. But when you step back, because we talked a lot in the, the last net front, how important the, the game was uh, coming up for a lot of people, because game four was so bad. It was such a disappointing uh, performance, such a lack of response to the whole uh, Nazem Cadre situation and then losing Jordan Bennington. It just was, it was just an unfortunate response that put a bit of a cloud over the team. Uh, this game removes the cloud. And uh, in many ways, I think uh, first off, it was good for the group JT because you're trying to reaffirm that there's a winning culture here, you know, uh, a mental toughness, a resilience, a standard. And after two tough postseasons, you know, there was certainly more reason, plenty of reasons, reasons to question that. Uh, a really good first round against Minnesota, but now you've engaged an excellent Colorado team. Now you've had a comeback in, on a, on, in a hostile situation. You won a tough game. I think you've proven on the stage that everybody was watching last night in the NHL that, you know, the Blues are, are relevant again. And it was important for the group to experience that because the group also experienced two really bad postseasons. Yeah. And as you, you, you've written about too, and talk about just the, for the younger players, just every game they can get of this kind of experience will, will, will only bode well uh, for, for the, for the future. And I think we all know that, that Colorado is the, is a more talented team, but the, one of the beauties of hockey, especially hockey, I mean, it's true to a certain extent in all the major sports, the, the most talented team doesn't always win. And I'm not, I'm not saying the blues don't have talent, but my gosh, when you, when you look at the, you know, what, uh, like a guy like McKinnon can do. And I think, uh, just maybe 15 minutes before the game, we received one of these betting line, uh, emails, which are worse and worse now that everyone loves betting, or at least openly loves betting. It was like Bovada, 89% of the bet betting public thought Colorado was, was going to win. We, we all think Colorado's going to win. Thomas said, uh, <laughs> last week, he thought what Colorado in seven, I think I predicted them in six, but the fact that the blues are so stubborn, it, it, it it's interesting. And it, it is a resilient team. And I, 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 I kind of like this team just because of it, because of the, uh, 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 the makeup and uh, you know, there's no guarantees that it'll carry over in the next year or whatever, but it, what, what an enjoyable team this has been to, to, to watch and to cover. And uh, there's been a lot of unexpected terms uh, turns on the road as well. Yeah. You, if this game had ended with the blues losing last night, three to nothing, or it was three to nothing and it went to five to nothing based on those last two games, it was going to be a, a rough off season. That was not going to be, I mean, that was not going to sit well because even against a really good team, they would not have finished well. But I think, you know, this kind of just is going to change in people's mind, how they look at the season because, all right, you know, if they get, and maybe it changes if they get blown out tomorrow night in game six or in game or in a game seven, if that happens, but you, they can, you can look and say, well, okay, this team did some things and they played some good games and they did not go down easily uh, against Colorado after a game four in which they did go down easily. I mean, if you look at this series and say, okay, the blues got outplayed in game one, they probably played better in games two and three and got outplayed in game four. And then, 
they looked like they were going to get outplayed in game five, but they, they, they were still to a large extent outplayed. I think if you look at the game as a whole, Colorado was a better team as well because they were so much better early on, but uh, the blues were enough to, to win and they're, they're alive. And now who knows what can happen. Yeah. You know, and hockey is a funny sport, JT, because if, you, if you've got that, if a team's got a fold in its credentials and, and, you know, you look at again, you, how often do we talk about what happened in bubble hockey? That was a, just completely a flat performance, you know, and maybe circumstances, uh, you know, last year, the team was just set up to, to have a disastrous first round because they just weren't equipped. Um, but, you know, it was really disappointing going, going back to, to, to 20. It, it, it can leave a stigma and it can plant seeds of doubt. On the other hand, if you have some success, that it, they can be something you can draw on. There's no guarantee, like you say, that it carries over, but it's better to have that experience, collective experience um, with the group and a coach than the, than the opposite. Because once you get the opposite, I mean, it, let's put it this way. If Colorado doesn't win this series, <laughs> I mean, does, does Bednar survive? Jared Bednar? I mean, does the roster, are they going to be as eager to keep everybody as they might've been? I, you know, it's, it's a hockey deal. It's a hockey. You don't want to be a team that, that somehow does not give its all in, in a, in a play playoff situation, win or lose to Tom's point, win or lose, you got, you got to empty the, the well, you just you have to, if you don't, you got a problem. Yeah. 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 You have to, you, that that's what playoff hockey is all about. And that's what perturbed uh, the chief uh, uh, the most uh, about uh, uh, the, uh, what was it? Game, game three in, in St. Louis. Uh, and 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 to an extent uh not game three game four and and to extent game one he just didn't think the compete level was high enough well if you can't have compete level in the playoffs when are you going to have it but yeah at at the end of the day uh uh, you know armstrong said in uh traverse city when i talked to him he basically said he thought the he thought the blues were a top 10 team it's the first time in the three four years i've talked to him at uh uh, in Traverse City, where he didn't think they were, didn't come out and say we're cup contenders. He just said we're top 10 teams. So had they lost last night, you said, okay, they reached the round of eight. They're a top 10 team. So they didn't overachieve. They didn't underachieve. But now, uh, you know, unless, you know, and they lose six to nothing, which I guess they could Friday night. I think they've done a little better uh, than that. And uh, uh, again, uh, I, I think that's kind of the lasting value among everything with, uh, with Barubi, he will not stand for a team that doesn't compete. And there's still uh, enough players on this team, pr- probably the vast majority that want to compete. Although even, even David Perron, what was it after game four said, we need more fighters on this team. And uh, you know, maybe that was Perron's way of trying to drag the rest of the team into the fight, as they say. I found it fascinating yesterday that during the game, every time Perron touched the puck, he got the, he, he got booed. He, it was it was as though he were Nazem Kadri in St. Louis. He just got booed every time he touched the puck. Um, you know, it, it. I don't. I can't recall. I mean, that's maybe like back in Chris Pronger got that. I can't recall in more modern days Blues being Blues being treated like that. But David Perron is public enemy in in Denver. But you know this. You know. When that game's three nothing last night, they're one goal away from. I think if it goes to four zero, I think it's over. I don't think they come back from four zero down. Billy Huso kept them in there, and they turned things around, and and they got it going. But I mean, there was a very fine line. If that game had gone to you know four zero, it's probably over. 
Well, I've come up with a new kind of phrase in my head, the, the, the kind of the Lindgren moment. When it was mm-hmm. three to nothing, I looked over to see if Lindgren was loosening up. When it was four to one in, in game four, I did the same thing. But uh, no, Huso, uh, Huso stayed out there. The only other blue I can remember getting booed like that was, remember, game one in Winnipeg when all the stuff about the old Bennington tweets came out? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't as bad as Perron, but for a good chunk of the game, Every time uh, Biddington went behind the net to uh, do a little housekeeping or whatever, he got mm-hmm. moved. But uh, yeah, that was that was that was pretty strange. Uh, and we'll quick quick uh, aside on on Perron there. Um, the level of I mean, look what David did uh, was you know uh, not his finest hour. You know, the second the cross check cadre uh, fine. You know, after Buchnevich bumped him, fine. Jumping on top of him, yeah, it's not the best look. Okay, but for some people to try to say that. Now, all of a sudden, this guy was like a, a borderline trained killer who should be banned from the game for his <laughs> actions. I mean, this, whoever would say that apparently never watched hockey because that, yeah, you shouldn't. Have, but, you know, do you do people really watch the sport? Do you? I mean, I, I've been desensitized by the Chuck Doris division days. This team once employed Garth Butcher. Maybe I'm immune to this sort of thing. But, you know, come on. That wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. And yet there was this outrage. It's like, yeah, he, he kind of went over the, well, he did go over the line. And yeah, he yeah, wasn't yeah. real proud of it. And that. he admitted it. He knew he deserved a come penalty. On. Some of these panty waste out there thinking he should be, you know, banned from the game. What, what, do, you, what do you think, Jeffrey? Uh, maybe maybe pull out some old cadre uh, uh, tapes oh, and you I can mean, see something maybe a little bit worse than that. You know, and look, it all do, I mean, so settle down people. And again, I give shout out to Colorado. They've handled the whole situation with great maturity. Uh, you know, maybe yesterday they needed more spark and we can talk more about that, but they handled the whole cadre thing very well. Good on them. Good on their team. Good on the cadre. Good on their coach. Uh, and so we move on. But some of these people getting on Piranha, yeah, he went over the overboard, but let, let's, let's, let's turn the page and, and let's talk about some of the, the individual positives here. Um, we start with Uso because look, you know, maybe he wasn't the greatest goaltender in the history of civilization in this game, but he held up and he didn't break. He didn't completely fold. And there was a danger that that was going to happen. I think we would have, if there would have been a Bovada bet on will Ville implode, I think it would have been heavy betting on implosion. And, uh, and he didn't. And that's important for, for Ville Husso. I mean, just had he gone out on a horrendous note without winning a game in this series, that would have had an impact instead. JT, he's got a win, a very dramatic one that he can put on his, under, on his belt. And uh, it was most helpful, something he can draw on. Yeah. And, and, and who knows, uh, uh, who knows where that, that'll lead uh, uh, Friday night, but yeah, he, he did write the ship when it was uh, three to nothing. Uh, I, I, I do wish he would have uh, hugged the post more on the McKinnon, <laughs> but just, just a dazzling play. If I was a goalie, I would have just, had my jaw drop watching McKinnon. I wouldn't even attempt it to, to get a glove out or a stick out. Cause it was just, it was just such a dazzling uh, play, but uh, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, he, he did hold up. He made some big saves. As Tom said, he stopped a McKinnon breakaway. He stopped the, uh, you know, they, the, the abs had their two on one rush game going. Uh, uh, and uh, he stopped a couple two on one breaks. So uh, got some help from some defensemen, uh, uh, back there but uh yeah so i i think he should be able to 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 uh to grow out of this yeah and the, for the small selection of people that think you know give charlie lingren a chance I, I think that you know that didn't happen it's not going to happen 
um, you know, Billy Huso is uh, for the remainder of this postseason, unless uh, Jordan Bennington, you know, makes his trip to Lourdes, uh, that Billy Huso is going to be uh, is going to be the guy. And uh, and since he's the goalie, they will to a certain extent rise and fall on uh, on what he does. Another guy that uh, he didn't need to boost the stock because the stock was already trading super high with the chief, but gentlemen, about 65 <laughs> Torpchenko. I mean, it the chief couldn't get him back on the ice often enough. I mean, JT, this is, you're facing elimination, you're facing extinction and the chief's rolling out a guy that spent the bulk of the season in the a and, uh, and for good reason, because, you know, he, he played with urgency. No, no question about that. I think chief has a Torpchenko. Uh, jersey that he just wears at home <laughs> you know he, yeah and and uh uh there were i think there were it was either photos or maybe it was a highlight after the uh uh the the goal uh was that the fall Cairo goal i'm going to call it mm -hmm. where torpchenko had the shot was that it tom yeah 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 the assist on that one he's practically doing a steve ott hug on torpchenko but ruby is Chief Ruby, he looked so happy. He was like grabbing his shoulders or something. He loves that guy. And yeah, something that in the the uh, the, the fog of battle or whatever that, that I barely noticed. But in the second period, he, all of a sudden, uh, Tarpchenko's on that uh, Shen line and Barbyshev's down on the fourth line. And uh, he just doesn't disappoint. And uh, one thing Ruby loves is, uh, about as much as anything is predictability and uh Torpchenko is very predictable and the, the big lug just goes out there and does it. Yeah. We're going to see if is, is Alexei Torpchenko going to be a third line guy? I mean, he has kind of stood out since he's been here on the fourth line, but it, can he play further up? Can he be the power forward um, that they're looking for? He, um, cause he's doing it. I was like, he, he's not this season. This is the first time he's played in the postseason in professional hockey. He hadn't played in the postseason since he was in juniors and he, there he is. I mean, when they were going with just two guys on the fourth line, he was one of them. I mean, he was, he was, you know, he wasn't the guy on the edge. There were people beyond him. He, he was well safe above the cut line on the, among blues forwards. And I think he's going to be for the rest of this season. And I would expect him to be there at the start of next season. Of course, another player that uh, benefited greatly from the game and it put a different um, light on his postseason, Robert Thomas, uh, he uh, was pumping shots on goal, obviously scores a couple of mammoth goals, totally engaged. And, uh, you know, this is important because, you know, Roberts knows what this team's about. He's been in the culture, but he's becoming a bigger and bigger piece. And if you're a big piece on this team that's trying to maintain this culture, uh, you've got to rise to the occasion. That's that's what this team uh, is trying to be is known for has been known for hopes to be known for and he did i mean jt this was uh no matter what happens the rest of this series now roberts uh you know he's raised his hands he's been credited with full attendance and uh and you know going he would hate to have gone into the summer without having a game like this jeff i actually thought of your uh, very popular uh, report cards that you do and i'm like now if jeff gave a regular season and a playoff Report mm. card for Thomas. There might be a wide variance. I'm thinking he'd be an A in the regular season, maybe even an A plus. But oh, that until last night, what would that postseason grade have been for Robert Thomas? But we, we've we got used to that pose of him after he has a near miss or the goalie makes a great slave because he he has over the course of these two rounds, 
he's had a lot or at least his fair share of pretty good chances and it's the I'm looking up skyward kind of sighing like hockey gods why are you doing this to me and finally he knocks uh, he knocks in a couple he's a guy so, somewhat like Kyrou's run obviously very hot and cold but when you're in the playoffs that open space you just can't dazzle I guess unless you're you're Nathan McKinnon and obviously McKinnon found it uh, difficult in the first four games of series McKinnon has taken some shots by the blues, but it's just harder to operate. And but Ruby said it time and time again, you just got to fight through it, fight through it. And a guy like Thomas go to the net, go to the net. And he did that actually the first Thomas goal, he he's heavily covered. I, I, I don't know off the top of my head who the Colorado guy was, but it's not like he had open space and time to think about it. And Buchnevich was pretty tightly covered too. And he puts some, Tape right on the stick. Thomas doesn't hesitate and boom. So, uh, yeah, he's got to come out of this again. You going back to your point about the younger players, Thomas is still a younger player. He's younger than Torbchenko. I think we've mentioned this before. He's still the youngest player on the team. So this can only help his confidence as he becomes a bigger uh, and bigger uh, uh, piece of this team. Yeah, if they play more games outdoors, it would be like, Robert Thomas at, at the Palomar Observatory. He would know where all the stars are. Oh, my God. Look, Venus is in the Big Dipper tonight. What does that mean? Um, but maybe in the goals yesterday, I mean, he had no choice but to shoot. Maybe that's, you know, when he has even that, has you know, that second or split second to think, maybe I could pass. But those were cases, <laughs> I can't pass. I got to shoot. And maybe that's the what, what Robert Thomas needs is to be in more situations where um, he's got no option but, you know, the – taps in that last one with a minute to go. Okay. That's, he couldn't pass it. He had to shoot it. And, and that's what worked for him. And of course his, uh, his cohort, uh, Jordan Cairo, you know, again, uh, caught in a tough spot, end of the shift on the uh, Nathan McKinnon's uh, career goal. Uh, he was trying to get to the bench and then McKinnon had other ideas. He was going to, he was going coast to coast. So it wasn't, it wasn't much Jordan could do about that, but uh, you know, another guy that, you know, he's, he's been told, you know, this is what you're going to have to do at this level. And uh, Jordan Cairo was has been sticking his nose in there, JT. And uh, like I say, it was him and Falk jamming at that puck. But the important thing was he was spotted at the goal, jamming at the puck. And uh, you know that's kind of what you have to do in the postseason. So, so what are you saying, Jeff? Maybe bad optics? Is that what they would call it? The the scene of uh, McKinnon racing by the totally gas Cairo. Oh, poor guy! He, all he could do was look over his left shoulder. Go, oh. oh. <laughs> he kind of almost waved word. as he went past. It's like, oh, maybe not. Oh, I mean, it was a worse word than uh oh, but yeah. But he's got seven goals. The yeah. man, yep. is, doesn't he? Is it six or seven? I think it's seven in the playoffs. So he's run hot and cold, and 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 he's he's made just a whole lot of progress uh, this year. But he's still of that that group of twenty three kids we've talked about. That and Baruby's the school teacher. He's probably the one pupil that maybe drives, uh, drives the uh, school teacher, the, uh, you know, that drives them nuts the most, but uh, you know, seven goals. <laughs> I've said this in the chat multiple times, but you know, Cairo with the number of puck battles, he loses along the boards. He's just got to get stronger and that's not going to happen this season. He's going to need a good off season to be a stronger guy, to be able to, to win those battles that he often finds himself in. So you know, he's always going to be a high event player. You're going to see the good and the bad of Jordan Cairo a lot because of that's just the nature of his game. He's going to try doing stuff that's too fancy or he's going to not be in the right place defensively, but he's also going to produce some spectacular offensive results. 
Okay, one other guy I want to touch on uh, before we let you go in this edition of the Netfront Presence, uh, Justin Falk. You know, um, he's a veteran guy, uh, but he was not part of, of course, the uh, the cup-winning uh, team and that, that whole chemistry. And then his postseason experiences with the team have not been uh, the best because the team has not been at its best. But, boy, he just uh, – he has, he has really stepped up. Yeah, he made a couple of plays in this game, whether it's getting back to keep the uh, Landis, Clark, Landis Clark empty netter from happening to end the game, uh, tough keeps at the blue line. Uh, again, he attacking the net when there's an opportunity to come in. Um, just uh, it, he's going to be part of this team going forward, part of the, the nucleus, uh, a driver of the culture. So it's important for a guy like Justin Falk, who's been playing forever, but to have some success in the postseason, to taste some of this, to have these moments, JT, because he's going to be one of the guys that going forward that's going to try to keep the, the team going forward. And he came here, you know, with this uh, offensive defenseman reputation, and he's anything but that. I don't know. Maybe, Jeff, you're probably more familiar with him pre-Blues, but it just he's a heck of a defensive player and, and he's physical when he needs to be. And, and uh, uh, he, 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 he saved a lot of goals on that back end. He's played, he's played heavy minutes. I mean, uh, he, he's got to be right up there with Pareko for most minutes on, on the team. So it has been fun to, I guess, see his development. I mean, again, I don't know, maybe he was this player back at Carolina, but that's, that's not my snapshot of him when he, when he came here, it's, 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 it's been kind of surprising to me. And he just keeps getting better and better. I would still maintain this season and last he's the team's best defenseman. No, no offense to Pareko, but I really think he is. Yeah. I'd say Pareko is the best defensive defenseman, but the best overall defenseman uh, because what Falk does on the other side of the puck. Uh, yeah puts him up there you know it's funny in the chat and i have no idea how representative our wednesday chats with readers are but you get questions saying pareko's making too much money they should trade pareko because he's not being physical enough krug and perunovic are the same kind of guy you should trade one or the other marco scandela's gotta go nobody i can't nobody ever says you should trade justin fall <laughs> everybody he is the one guy that i think everybody he and bortuzzo because of how bortz plays he's the one guy that everybody is happy with i think in the blues fan base i think everyone says right now yeah justin falk okay i'm i'm happy with him as one of uh, your top defensemen but they weren't his first year remember it was no they oh, were he, not he's they no not. remember he's no Pet petro well actually his mm -hmm. numbers are better than petro this yeah, and, and before we hang up on the uh, on the the, view, the listeners here, we do have to mention that uh, uh, favorite of the uh, beat scribes, Robert Bortuzzo, add add him to the list of guys that stepped up in a more limited role. But man, he saved a goal by once again, despite taking one off the the, the melon, uh, which couldn't have been pleasant. Like he said, he wouldn't recommend it. Uh, he saved a goal, threw his body in front of an empty side of the net, and one more reason why the Blues had a chance to win that game was Bortuzzo hurling himself in front of a shot when. It was going in. So, um, yeah, the team, this is a live for another day edition of the Netfront <laughs> Presence. Uh, much happier tone this one than the previous edition. If you haven't listened to the previous one, don't listen to it. <laughs> don't go back and listen to it because it was all gloom and doom. Just just <laughs> play this one twice and, 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 you know, bask in the glow of the warmth of that uh, the Game 5 victory. So for Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. Reminder that all of our podcasts are available. We have our uh, a baseball podcast up today as well. And our videos, we've got some videos up today as well. All available on stltoday.com. So please do check it out. 
If you're not a digital subscriber or a print subscriber, please support local journalism. Until next time, for Jim Thomas, Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. See ya. <laughs>